Hey friends, Kristen here. This episode of the podcast was recorded before the murder of George Floyd and the widespread public reaction to police violence and racism. If you're on Twitter, you've likely seen a lot of conversation about race in the publishing industry this month, too. My conversation with author Cheryl Head does touch on race, but it doesn't speak to everything that has happened since we recorded our interview. We still want to express our support for the Black community at this time, and we here at the podcast are continuing to offer pitch or query critiques to any writer who donates to a community bail fund or anti-racist organization. See our social media for more details on that. Okay, now on with the show. Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers in conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Kristen LaBianca, and I'm so excited to be here today with Cheryl Head. Welcome. Thank you, Kristen. Good to be here with you. Yeah, we've uh, we've known each other for a couple years now. Yeah. Our paths are always crossing at book events, and it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and uh, you are among the, the queer crime writers in you know, the cool kids club. And we definitely can't get enough of those. <laughs> nice to be in the cool kids club at last. <laughs> I mean, I'm the one saying it's the cool kids club. I don't know how cool that makes it. Probably not very. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so Cheryl is the author of the Charlie Mac Motown mystery series. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your books? Sure. Um, they are set in the mid two thousands. And that's because that's a, really interesting time in the life of Detroit, which is the locale for the series. Um, in Detroit at that time, there's lots of uh, mayhem going on with the mayors, you know, being investigated for, for by the FBI. The economic uh, well-being of the city is really piss poor. There's still lots of crime going on. There's lots of poverty. It's, you know, so it's a, it's a really great time to set. Uh, a series that focuses on crime and misdeeds. So, um, Indeed. Uh, Charlie Mack is an um, African-American lesbian private investigator um, with uh, three other partners uh, in her law firm. And I'm having a ball writing the series. It's very cathartic for me. I love being able to kill people when I watch. <laughs> <laughs> it really takes, it like relieves some of the pressure of just, you know, it having really to does. like live life as a well-mannered person. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide that you wanted to write a Private Eye series? Yeah. So I've always read uh, crime and mystery uh, books, and I love television series, and I love the films, and it's, it's just relaxing to me. I like puzzles, and I like being able to try to figure out who did it before the end of the show or the end of the book. They're relaxing, cathartic escape for me um, and so when I had written a historical fiction novel I guess it's back in 2012 and that thing was so damn hard <laughs> I was that's like lot. serious yeah, that's like you know, serious writing thought, I'm gonna write this and it's gonna be fun well it wasn't <laughs> and I was in the library of congress all the time because once you get started you think oh well this is historical fiction people might check if this really happened oh yeah <laughs> or, or they might check if this technology is available so it was harder than I thought, and I really just needed a rest. And to have fun, I wrote my first mystery novel, uh, which was turned out to be the kind of the precursor of the first book in the Charlie Mack Motown mystery series. 
Nice. I can totally imagine that uh, writers of historical fiction probably do get just some random people popping up in your email saying this such and such thing wasn't entirely accurate. They didn't have that kind of jukebox in 1943. They'll say, exactly. <laughs> what the hell? Get a life. <laughs> you know, in, in my first book, I, um, I made up a small town, yeah. which I feel like that's pretty, like that's a pretty common writerly thing to do. Very like much. make up a town. Yeah. And I've had so many people be like, I don't, that's I don't not know. In why Ohio. That is. <laughs> I'm like, no, I know. It's like, it's made up. <laughs> no, it's I, fine. I got one review where the lady says, I know this is fiction, but I just can't stand that you've changed things in the history. And I'm going like, lady. <laughs> <laughs> well, if the, perhaps she should read nonfiction only. Perhaps. People are strange, true. right? Like people have such weird t- tastes. Or, and then I guess the weirdest part is that like once you've written something and you put it out in the world, yeah. everyone is entitled to their opinion and their, to share their opinion specifically with you. Absolutely. And you know writing mysteries, those, those people are like us. They like puzzles too. And they yes. like facts and they like digging behind things and you know they like looking up stuff. So <laughs> we have to be careful. <laughs> It's not like yeah, romance writers. Sure you, you can just make the details are right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here on this podcast, we we like to use the the word unlikable to just basically mean. I mean, basically any woman can get saddled with the label unlikable if mm-hmm. she dares to do anything right. that a man doesn't like. So um, that can run the gamut from nasty bitches who are yeah. murdering people to women who are just defending their own personal safety like it's it's a pretty wide range yes okay. so, so charlie is a real like she is in she kicks ass in this yes. series yes. and she bad. is a very strong woman um i get the sense from having read several of the books that people people do respond pretty well to her like she isn't someone that everyone's like oh god it's charlie again but yes. she definitely has her moments of of brushing up against the wrong people that that's right people People, the criticisms I've had from about Charlie are one from my editor, <laughs> <laughs> who says, "Shouldn't Charlie be feeling something here?" And I say, "Oh, perhaps she should." You know? <laughs> I remember my first editor says in the sex scenes, which I had no clue how to write, and I thought, "Who needs a sex scene in a mystery anyway?" But since I was writing lesbic i thought i needed to put one in there so I, right so i write one you know it's it's, it's a bomb sex scene so my uh, editor says you know there's not very much romance uh in that sex scene in that scene i said it's not a romance scene it's a sex scene right. <laughs> they are different that is that is a good point <laughs> but I, I have heard from readers that they don't like that she has slept with her partner in the past they go like why did charlie have to shit sleep with don Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that that, that happens, you know. Uh, why did she yeah. go to her ex-husband? I, that happens, too. So right. I've gotten the pushback on that, on the sexuality pieces. Yeah, that's so interesting that you bring that up. Like, I, so I also write a queer private investigator. Right. Roxanne is bi throughout the series. Right. And at the end of the third book, she is sort of, like, decides to, like, make a good faith effort to try making it work with tom her sort of on again off again lover yeah and i've had several people contact me to be like why did you decide to make her buy now like what do you mean yes you know like 
I don't understand. First of all, have you read the other books? If, if you have and you didn't pick up on that, I don't know what to tell you. I but it's like, you know, people are so weird. Even within the queer community, there's like yes. weird erasure. Oh, my goodness. Um, so. Yes. It happens all the time with me. It's interestingly enough, uh, the first time I heard the criticism was with African-American women, too. They were really kind of up in arms, a book club. <laughs> they, they, otherwise, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they otherwise liked the book, except for that part. <laughs> right. Oh, you gotta mm. love the book club yes, ladies. I do, do honestly adore doing book clubs. Do it's too. so fun because, like, they've read the books. So you can oh, like talk goodness. all about it, and, and they, they know everyone it better has than such you. big opinions. It's cool. Yeah, if you've written it two years ago, they bring up characters, and I'm going like, who? <laughs> <laughs> like, they know it better than you <laughs> they do. Really like, do. they to- they'll call you out when you like misspeak. Like, exactly. I was doing one once where I said I-, I said that someone had been shot when they'd actually been stabbed, <laughs> and like they were like, no, no, that's not what happened. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> You gotta love that kind of passion in readers. Exactly. <laughs> That's good stuff. So so let's talk about um, being an African-American writer in the current mm. climate of the crime writing world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here, you know, in the year of our Lord 2020, we yeah. have... Uh, <laughs> We have our, our good friend Otto oh goodness, um, having that? some <laughs> having some feelings and thoughts about the Best American Mystery Short Stories anthology, of which he is no longer the editor. Right. And there has been some real nastiness oh my goodness. this really, past week. That's really horrible. The vitriol yeah. is deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it it is so it's like so shocking there is anyone who will defend that point of view at this point and like to, and to say it out loud <laughs> right like it's like i mean not, not the not that it's ever okay to even think these things but you think you'd know better to just to, to shut up it. about it <laughs> and yet no like that's not that's not the way they roll apparently not i i was kind of surprised when i got into the mystery writing world which i didn't know and they're very strong and very committed and very vast you know uh but mm-hmm. you know i came from public broadcasting we have our own kind of drama you know TV, right you know tv is supposed to be about drama and radio and i remember <laughs> saying to someone uh, i think it was um i think it was kelly garrett uh, when there was some other kind of outburst of crazy racism <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i was like you people have more drama in the mystery community than masterpiece theater you know? <laughs> i just never thought i'd see it so yeah. now we have this guy who speaks the words out loud that equates uh, a focus on diverse voices and expanding the inclusion of voices in this in this anthology to lower lower quality. To <laughs> right, like he's basically saying, excellence. "Oh, so if your focus is yeah. diversity, that means your focus is not on good stories." I was that really pissed me off. Oh you know, my gosh, I, I know it really it's like. We, yeah. the the other two hosts of the show, Lane and Wendy, we were discussing it in a, a text message thread. And when I first read his little statement about it, I was like, he's such an asshole. And I kind of laughed. Is. And then I was like, as I kept re- reading, it kept making me like increasingly angry. Yes. Like, yes. wow, this is wild. <laughs> and I have kept kind of a, you know, I'm an older person. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I've been, I was crazy in the 60s. So I was, you know, try, I'm trying to be a little more mature and demure now, but and so I've heard about all the other stuff he's done, really stupid things that he has done and said in the past. 
and I thought, well, who is this guy? I don't know him. I don't, I'm not going to ever meet him. The hell with this bookstore. You know, I, right, right. I, I, I was really dismissive <laughs> of him. But something about this, him saying it out loud, like you said, in the year of our Lord 2020, just <laughs> yes. really pissed me off. I was thinking, what a pompous ass. Yeah, such yeah. a such a pompous ass yeah. to, to, like, I mean, he could have said nothing, which obviously would have been nothing. the thing to do. Like, or, say nothing. You've right. already picked fights with the crime writing community. Right. Uh, but, like, to to then say that, like, Diverse writers aren't writing good stories. Right. I mean, that's essentially what he's saying. Right. And he'd said and it about women. Just... And he'd said it about women in the past. You know. So yes. he, he is true to his colors. I'll say that. Oh yeah, for sure. Like mm-hmm. there is no mistaking mm-hmm. who he is. Right. That, that, that's right. So I don't know what to say to you about how I feel about being an African American <laughs> mystery writer in this in this atmosphere, except to say, I sure know I have a right to be here. Absolutely. I know there, I have stories to tell that you won't see from a white male writer. Uh, I have perspectives and points of view and storylines and, and, and um, aspects of human nature that they're not going to be able to write in an authentic way that I can do it. And I think it's a disservice to the entire community, the entire mystery writers and mystery readers community, not to open the door to these new these new voices. So I, 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 it is ass backwards. <laughs> it is absolutely ass backwards, and like, you know, now more than ever, we need your books and your stories because um, they, there aren't nearly enough black writers who have been traditionally published in yes. the mystery genre in the first place. Yeah. But then when you sort of look at in the, the queer crime writing uh, body of work, right. there are, really are not very many queer black women sleuths right. at all. I can think of Nikki Baker's uh, Virginia that's, that's Kelly right. series. N- Nikki Baker and Penny Mickleberry. That's, that yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, this is a, like, we need we need so many more. It's crazy that like that's that's it, and that's not even like oh that's just this year. No, that's ever. That's ever. Like <laughs> Nikki Baker was writing in the early nineties. That's right. I, one of the first books I read, and and then Penny, and they uh you know they let allowed me to think I can do that. You know, if it hadn't been for them, right. and then some straight writers like Barbara Neely writing mysteries, I I probably wouldn't have even tried. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's very discouraging as a reader to not see books that are written about your experience right um like and that is true for many different identities absolutely like that's part of the reason why i chose to write what i write i always wanted to read about a a queer private eye who identifies as bi and it's not like the main aspect of her character it's just it's a part of her life and it's right. very natural and right. i never really found a book like that and so i was like fuck it i guess i gotta write it exactly right you know i just thought <laughs> and i here's my uh, my conceit about private eyes i think black women are natural born private investigators <laughs> <laughs> all the ones i've ever known <laughs> are always sussing out the clues you know picking through the little right. bits of information they get and deciding what's bullshit and what's not you know <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Tracking down people who think they're trying to be missing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Connecting the dots. That's what black women do. <laughs> uh, 
So it seemed very natural to me to, to write her. I didn't have any, not a moment's hesitation. And I think I wrote the first one in four months, which is oh, pretty wow. fast nice. for me. Because I don't do that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like the best when like an idea just kind of like, it's it just like pours out of you. Yes. That's basically like, like, that's how it was before... I became a published writer and now everything's like complicated and weird and more there's so much pressure about everything yeah and, right. uh it's like oh back in the day when i just thought to myself if i could just publish one book i would yeah. be happy <laughs> it's like <laughs> lol now with now with your award-winning multiple award-winning self <laughs> now, like, now, now, now i'm like expectations I'm like with fear about everything <laughs> Funny. That's a good problem to have, though. It is. It is a very good problem to have. Do you still have times when the the words just pour from you, though? Yes. And the characters speak to you. Do they? They always speak to me. Wow, I, nice. I like. Sometimes I'll talk at events and people look at me like I'm crazy. Like about <laughs> writing for me is really just about sort of like following these characters around just to see what they do. It's yes. not so much like me deciding what they're going to do. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it feels very much like that. Like I just, sometimes I have to like wait around for them to do something. Yes. They're not doing anything. <laughs> Jerks. That's right. Um, <laughs> but the process of writing feels very much like they are driving that's the bus wonderful. and I'm just like on the bus with a notebook. You're so lucky. That's, that's wonderful. That doesn't happen to me as much as I would want it to, but when it does, it is just, it's a godsend, you know? You're just yes. you're just typing as fast as you can to keep up with the voices. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there are some some like my the first book in my series, it, it really felt like it wrote itself. Okay. I mean, and like I think looking back on it, like I I, I agonized over it for sure, but okay. like compared to what it was like writing the third, fourth and okay. uh, yes. second, third and fourth book in the series, okay. like that was much more like I was much more calculated about it and mm -hmm. I don't know like I I know that I've learned a lot as a writer yes me too. but that does not mean that it gets easier no not at all if anyone thinks fact, that it, it gets, harder, gets easier they are wrong I think it gets harder I think with yeah. anything I, I think about sports sometimes so I, I used to play golf and I was always best playing golf when I didn't think about it too much you know when mm -hmm. it just kind of flowed but when you start thinking okay watch the ball get your hips right put your feet right now do, do, you know it's just, when you start thinking about the technique of it it gets harder right. I think um, yeah so, so it's good to hear that you write that way I wish I could write that way the, my, in my historical fiction book one of the characters literally woke me up and said something to me and, and I went, oh shit, you know, and it, and, and it changed the book. I mean, that was the other horrifying thing. It changed. I had to yeah. go back to the beginning, but it still is such an epiphany and it's such a magic moment that I wish it would happen all the time. When I was writing my second book, there's a character, Roxanne's uh, love, one of her love interests in the, the first book, Catherine. Yeah. Yes. I hadn't intended to put her in the second book at all, hmm. uh, but she like she really wanted to be in the book. She knocked on the door and said, where the hell am I? <laughs> she kept bothering me until I was finally like, okay, fine, you're yes. in the book. And then she was like, she's, she's been in all of them now. So excellent. That's excellent. She's a pushy bitch, that yes. one. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Speak my name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I mean, writing a series is a lot of fun, I think, because, like, you get to know your characters so well. Yeah. Which is not to say that people who just write standalone mysteries don't know their characters. Of course they do. But, like, there's a special kind of, like, comfort about, like, slipping into the world of these characters that, as it's gotten more and more familiar. Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. 
the one thing I'd add is that I realize I need to do a deeper background on each of them because I, mm. I, I work from a background. I'm definitely a plotter. None of this is seat of the pants for me. So I've got profiles for each of them. But then, you know, I thought I was thinking just this week um, about Charlie's childhood and whether I ought to just commit it to paper, whether it ever ends up in a story or not, mm. how it might inform what I know about her and what how she thinks if I took the time to put that on paper. So I may do that. Yeah. Yeah, I like I love backstory and mm-hmm. like writing characters backstories mm-hmm. is like definitely my favorite part. And mm-hmm. if you could write a book that was just backstory, yes. I probably would, but no one would read it because nothing would happen. <laughs> and do, you, do you have extensive backstories on your on all your both your protagonists and your secondary characters? Um, not written down, but okay. I do spend a lot of time thinking about it. Thinking about it, it. You're um, right? Yeah. My my process is mostly in my head, um, which is why I'm so fun (laughs) um but yeah like before I ever sit down and start actually writing I do a lot of thinking about the characters I am Mm -hmm. I'm more of a pantser than a plotter I'm not not like 100% a pantser but I do really let the characters sort of drive yeah um but like I I spend so much time thinking about what they would do and what it's like to be in their, in shoes, their shoes before I ever start writing. Yeah. And I really think that, like, if you know your character as well, like, that really helps. Like, if you get into a place where something isn't working right. and like, they're not really telling you what to do, it's sort of like knowing what who those people are uh-huh. underneath. Like, that that's, really that's right. helps. And so, like, it, it works it out that, that way. That's right. I, I really understand that. And even though I do... Outline. I, I didn't outline for the first book. That was just Panzer, uh, and I, mm-hmm. I love that part of it. But the second book, I, I thought it was. I wanted to do something different, so I wanted to do a more of a thriller. I really love thrillers, and you, you know what I love about thrillers is all the little details in the background. You know, the guy who's pl- Black Sunday, the guy who's plotting to blow up the Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> I love that. I love that shit. I'm just that geeky shit. So, you know, it's a lot of writing about stuff that people probably don't care about, you know, but I had to plot it out. I had maps and I had diagrams and diagnostics and the the the, uh, the layout and blueprints for the Cobo Hall in Detroit and nice. Matt, yeah, I was in my world, you know, but uh, so I had to really plot that one out pretty extensively, but then I found in book three where I said, well, that plotting thing worked, so I did an outline, but I didn't stick to the outline, but it was mm. it was comforting to have it. Because I could go back to it and say, oh, yeah, that's a good theme there. I should probably put that someplace. Yeah, I tend to do my, like, the outlining that I do tends to be more thematic than about plot points. Uh, Mm Because I find that if I, like, if I write down plot points, I, like, follow that list like it's required. (laughs) Like, Like, I don't know why I did that. But even if I get a better idea, like, I'll just do what's on the list. Uh And actually, like, when I was in college, I... I, like I, I don't write stuff down. Um, okay. I just keep it all in my brain. Like I've always it, been that way. If you hear like, it, will you remember it? Yeah. Oh, fabulous! It, it is, but it, it's crowded in yeah. there. Um, <laughs> but like when I was in school, we had to like write down our assignments in our assignment book and get our parents to to oh, sign it every goodness. night. And I like didn't write them down because <laughs> I didn't want to, and so it was like a, always a thing. But when I was in when I was in college, I got someone gave me as a gift this um like this fancy planner yeah and i was like Ooh, a fancy yeah. planner i'm gonna yeah. use it yeah and so i wrote down all of the dates for my final exams 
and I had written down that my uh, my final for this photography class was on a Thursday Mm -hmm. and I was like oh that's weird I would have thought that it was on Tuesday but I wrote it down on Thursday so I guess that's when it is and I mean it wasn't it was on Tuesday (laughs) I missed the final because I like followed what I had written on this stupid planner so the moral of the story is I need to trust what's in my head not what I write down (laughs) I love that I, I wish I had that ability I just met someone recently who says I can remember everything I hear. And I thought, is there a name for that? (laughs) I think that's really a fabulous skill to have. I mean, yeah, I guess it it is. And it's especially helpful, like, if I hear, if someone, like, tells me their phone number or something. Oh, you can even remember numbers. I'm, like, good at remembering stuff like that. Like, it doesn't have a whole lot of, like, practical applications being a writer. But, you know. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. It's I might a, be writing of somebody like that in a book, in a future book, because <laughs> I think that's fascinating. Yeah, you because know, you hear of the people who can see something or read something and have a photo, uh, photo what do you call it, photogenic memory? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, photographic yeah, memory. Photographic mem- uh, memory. But I never heard of anybody hearing things and being able to keep it. So I, I'm fascinated by that now. I'm going to be looking that up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so if you find out what's wrong with me, please let me know. Okay, I'll, I'll pass that on to you. But it's like, it's specifically that I, I I can remember something if I hear it, but if I write it down, like my ability to write things down correctly is maybe not that good. I don't know why that would be. Yeah. But um, regardless, when I, when I write like a, a plot type outline, like I don't, I don't feel like I have the same amount of joy with the yeah, story. It is not as much fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it probably, it probably saves you like accidentally writing 40,000 words about something that's not going to work and then you have to cut it interesting to anyone that's true yeah (laughs) what about this i want you know i don't know if you're supposed to be interviewing me but i have a bunch of questions i want to ask you (laughs) i didn't go for it (laughs) okay do do you ever get like three quarters of the way in and not know who did it (laughs) um no okay but so i generally know like in the beginning i generally know what the end is going to be the okay. part that i don't know is how it how, is going to become gonna revealed yeah. and how everything is going to come together yeah i sometimes don't know the end and then that's <laughs> when i've realized the outline helps me mm, so that's yeah. how I'm, that's how i've done the last couple books i'll do the outline no i'll, I'll write until i figure out I, to I get to a point then i go like gee now what happens <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then, then i do an outline <laughs> to help Hmm. Yeah. Well, right now, so I'm working on um, my fifth book right now. Yeah. It's uh, not part of the series. It's a oh. standalone mystery, oh, and it has is. three point of view characters mm. and two different timelines. Oh, so the goodness. person who doesn't like plotting and outlines is driving <laughs> herself literally crazy, <laughs> trying to keep all of that nonsense in her head. Oh goodness! Now, when you say there are three timelines, is it is it a, are you going back and forth in time? Uh, yes. So there, uh, one of the point of view characters is a teenage girl who goes missing and her, her timeline is a year in the past. Mm. And the other two point of view characters, one is a police detective and the other is, um, a teacher at the, the missing young woman's school and Mm. they are both in the present. So it's like, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how I came up with this, but um, I hope it's working. What voice are you using? It is in third person. In third person. Yes. Wow. I like it. I like the, I don't know if I would do that. (laughs) 
sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what possessed me because it's pretty different than like the the first person all one timeline yes. series character type of setup that I've done for four yeah. bucks. Uh, but it's fun. It's for sure fun. Oh, that's great. I love that. I love that. What when you pick a subject, um, have you, do you think about what you want to write about? Uh, and I ask you that because I try to always challenge myself. I don't want to write about the same things I read about. Um, mm. I want to try. You know, they they always say there's no new ideas. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always. So I probably won't do a missing child. I mean, because I love those series, mm-hmm. but there's you know bunches of them on Netflix and that kind of stuff. So I, but then right. I, so I'm trying to figure out how to how to put my head around that and how to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I kind of do think that there maybe are no new ideas, yeah. but there is always a new a variation. <laughs> yeah, a new variation, mm-hmm. a new interpretation, mm-hmm. um, and like like definitely the idea of. A teen girl going missing is nothing new. I myself have written three such novels, okay. although only That's two right. have been published. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, there, I think there's just always a new way to frame it, and mm-hmm. there's like new things to say. So, mm-hmm. like, that's part of the fun and the challenge of, of writing, right? Because um, like, you know, some mysteries are are formulaic for sure, absolutely. Uh, but there's like, you don't have to do it that way. You can do anything you want. It's yeah. like, really exciting. We have yeah. so much power. That's right. Right. You know, I tell you one thing about COVID nineteen, and I don't know how it's affecting you, but first I couldn't read or write. I'm over that part now. <laughs> but, That's good. But it's making me a, a different kind of observer, and I've always mm. been. I always like observing people and going places where I can just people watch and thing like things like that. But it's making me a different kind of observer. In in that, because you have to be still, we're more still. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm looking at nature a little differently. Um, looking at animal behavior more than I did before. Interesting. Looking at how people, how extroverts in particular, <laughs> <laughs> how they are, are all dis, discombobulated, you know? Right, right. <laughs> they really are. They just don't know what to do with themselves. They don't. They're like, I'm so bored. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not what the problem is that I'm having. Exactly. <laughs> and then I, I, then I look at the people, like those crazy guys in Michigan who are strapping guns on themselves and going up to the state capitol and screaming at police officers yeah. because they're so, you know, uh, I don't know, infantile that they can't sit still for three months. Right. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, huh, I need to apply some of those characteristics of human nature to some character in future books, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. People's true essences come yes. out in times like this. Don't like, they? Yes. And so, like, a lot of people's true selves their whiny baby yes. unable to like follow instructions for two seconds like they're it's all becoming very clear like you know in general like you go through the world and like you know that there's a lot of of assholes around yeah but you don't always know which ones they are that's right but like now no. people wearing masks like it's a pretty like you can quickly tell which people are assholes like not all of them of course like yeah, there are yeah. assholes who wear masks but, yeah. like, people who are just, like, running around, not wearing masks, not being oh. careful, it's like, great, I can just write you off my list. That's that's right. Or write about how crazy that behavior is in a future book where you all die. Exactly. <laughs> I do wonder if, like, I mean, I guess it sort of depends on how long this goes on, but, like, yeah. in what ways will this ultimately really? change the types of stories that's we write? Right. That's right. Well, you know, it's 
it's, a, it's fascinating to me that for a moment in time, we have a, a few months where climate change is improving. Right. You know, but I know we're going to immediately go right back to doing what we were doing. As soon oh, as yeah. everything opens yeah. up, it's going to be the hell with the climate. You know, hell right. <laughs> but that's like so depressing. It it's depressing. like, oh, look, look, look at what we could do it if we actually took the steps to like take care of people in our world. Yeah. But like, no, no one's right. going to do that. that. That's right. So oh, I think yeah. these are interesting times to be a mystery writer. I, I don't think I want to write about a pandemic per se. But yeah, I am going to write about some characteristics of human nature that I probably might not have paid attention to before. Yeah, yeah. I think that like right now we're all kind of in this like, well, I hope it's going to be over soon. Yeah, but like we have obviously no, we have no idea. That's right. I mean, so it's like right now the last thing I want to do is like write a, a social distancing mystery. But like right. that might be where we are if right. this is still happening in you know, a year from now, right. that might be, like, the change in reality might be so permanent that, like, we have to write different kinds of stories. Absolutely. Well, for instance, I don't, you may not do this because I'm a little bit crazy, but, I, you know, I, I always start thinking, hmm, how would the terrorists use this? You know? <laughs> what would they do in these times or on this day? Or And I think, I try to think, what, how might a terrorist kill mass amounts of people that hasn't be, been done before. And right. then, of course, when you're Googling that stuff, you're, you're, <laughs> you're always in danger of the NSA, you know, coming to your house. <laughs> right. Yes, the, the eternal mystery writer's conundrum. That's right. That's right. Our terrifying search That's history. Right. And I'm, like, in Washington, D.C., so. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they're, like, waiting outside your doorstep. Yeah, like. knock, knock, knock. <laughs> by just going out into the world and exactly. experience something in person right now. Right. And then yeah. you have so much, we have so much time, time on our hands. I'm learning to juggle, for instance, because I'm thinking, why I've always been kind of fascinated with juggling, and I know it's nice. hard to do, and I understand that it helps to you to balance out your left brain, right brain. So I'm oh. teaching myself to juggle really badly so far. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm practicing almost every day, dropping bunches of balls. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna master that damn thing. So that you know, this the kind of crazy things that people are doing. I think it's opportunities for us to launch our books kind of in different ways to to uh, attract attention in different yeah, ways. Yeah, that's too. a good point. Could be that like you know, where 
we might not really be able to drown out noise on a on a normal day like everything yes. is everything is weird and different now and so that's we might right. like attract the attention of someone who might not otherwise have noticed our books that's that's right i'm going to i'm going to do a slogan or something you know have you read a mystery book about a black lesbian pi and, you know, I think people might pick it up just for that. I'm going like, oh, damn, okay, I'll try that. I've already, I've already seen Bosch and I've read Bosch. You know? right. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I've already read all of the books that yeah, that's right. my library has on Overdrive. So <laughs> that's, that's right, exactly. So I'm going to try it. I think I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt us. I think people are seeking out new kinds of information, new kinds of entertainment. Yeah, I hope that you are right. My okay. my my new book comes out uh, the second week of july so okay. i'll be a couple of weeks after you and uh, yeah it's like all of this happens so fast that like there is still this this like idea in my head of like oh maybe it'll like unhappen just as fast right it's like uh, it is possible i guess but i mean it seems it it seems rather unlikely but it, like it, you never know yeah you never know but you th what one things we do know is probably a lot of small businesses won't be able to come back won't be yeah. able to recover, which includes indie bookstores. You know? That is very true. So I think we have to do things dramatically different. So maybe you and I should be doing some kind of Zoom slash Instagram DJ book party thing. <laughs> I think we probably should. Yeah, I think so. We can do some readings and spin some tunes spin some and whatever. Tunes, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm thinking we yeah. could <laughs> stop and bake some cookies, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it has been kind of cool doing like doing some virtual events, which I had never like. I had done a few book clubs via Skype okay. before all of this. Yes, me too. But um, <clears throat> they were just sort of like here and there. But now I've I've done quite a few different zoom or crowdcast or oh, okay. facebook live okay. events and it's like it's very interesting i think uh like it's it i still definitely prefer the actually being in like in the room with people because okay. you, you can like get so much feedback from people's faces and yes. from just their energy it's very hard especially on facebook live where you're just like talking into the you void where like you don't right. even know like yeah. is anyone smiling yes <laughs> does everyone hate me right now like <laughs> but i mean it is cool that like this all this technology exists and we've generally been using it for like junk but now it's like oh we can actually use these tools to really connect you know about arts and literature and i do think that's fun yes I, and i'm hoping that's going to be the case and i'm going to Try to think out of the box about promotion. You know, I work, I'm with a small publisher, so I do most of my own marketing and promotion anyway. You know, they'll, right. You know, they'll do a press release for me, but I, I'm my own publicist, so I'm going to really try to think out of the box about it. And I, you know, I also am, and I always have done this, Kristen. Don't don't think of a, the book launch as that week. You know, the book right. the book drops June 23rd, but I might launch all damn year long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we really kind of have to be selling our book like it's launch day every day that's it's like almost to, that's exactly right yeah 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 so um i recently finished reading your most recent book judge me when i'm wrong and oh, it really okay. it ends with like such a cliffhanger does yes. uh does the new book pick up right where it that leaves off with with charlie getting a call from it her ex-husband's new wife Chapter saying one. he's been accused of murder yep 
It sure does. And I had a lot of fun writing this one because I did got to do some cat fights in there. And nice. I've got the whole black-white tension thing in there. So I get mm-hmm. to say uh, Franklin's new wife is, is a, a, a kind of a Barbie doll white girl. And okay. <laughs> I get to make fun of that. <laughs> fun. <laughs> it's so, it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me and fun for me. And, of course, then you get to weave in. A, a lot of Detroit, uh, which is always something I'm going to do, and a lot of um, diversity themes and talk and conversations about race and that kind of thing. Right, yeah. right. And plus, one of my, my one of my secondary uh, characters, I, I lose one of my secondary characters in in that book, and uh, in the next book, I'm looking for the new partner, and the new partner who comes to fruition in that book. I don't want to give it away, but it's Excellent. somebody we know. <laughs> That is, I am very much looking forward to reading it. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, so what are you looking forward to reading this summer? Oh, okay. I am uh, want to read your book when it comes out. I want to read Tracy Clark's new book, which I think dropped. Yes. I think that just dropped today or yesterday. Uh, I, yes, it's today. I love um, both those series, and I love them because of the protagonist. I love your, yeah, I love your, I love her cast reigns. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I love your Roxanne Weary. So it's it's interesting how those you know the characters are what brings you. I don't care what it's about even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Like you, you'll read a if you like a series character, it doesn't matter like what the plot summary on the back of the book. That's right. Says like yeah. it doesn't matter. And also like with mysteries, I feel like the the setup of a mystery is almost never like. The setup isn't what ultimately matters. Like, that's not what the book is about. Yes. So, like, you could start a story anywhere. Right. Uh, right. It's, and just kind of see where it goes. But when you're reading a series, like, it's like, I would literally follow these characters that I love anywhere. Yeah, that's like, right. even if, even if they, even if this author wrote, like, a Christmas romance, I would read it because I love these characters so much. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I, and I'm writing, I'm writing a standalone like you are. Um, I'm nice. spinning off uh, one of the, partners in the firm and, and, and setting it in D.C. And what I have found, Kristen, is I don't like D.C. as much as I like Detroit. Oh, really? <laughs> so I really have to, I'm really, I got stuck, you know, I got stuck and so I talked it over with a couple of my uh, beta readers and I decided I don't have to like D.C. As, as much and I can make that feeling part of the book. So Yes, that is true. Yes, and now, so do you that. do you prefer living in D.C. to living in Detroit? Um, I think now I do. I think mm-hmm. Detroit is on a, a, a is resurging, you know, but it's right, resurging yeah. in a different kind of way where I think it's losing some of its soul and character. Hmm. Um, I was there last year. I have family there, so I spent a week walking around some of the, the new neighborhoods where I went to school. Wayne State University is my alma mater. and It's really changed dramatically, and they're trying to relabel it and remarket it and call it new names. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that when they try to give us, you know, a new name to a, like in book uh, three, I write about homeless people in the cast corridor. Mm-hmm. And that area has always been one of the most vibrant areas in Detroit. The The university's there, the medical center's there, the art community was there, the uh, the Chinatown used to be there and it, you know, the drug, the drug guys were there you know, too. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it's vibrant and alive. And now they're renaming it something like uh, Newtown, Midtown or something. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going there with them. 
So um, no, like the yeah. whole the whole idea of like rebranding a place, I like it doesn't like it doesn't work for me. That is an idea yeah. that capitalism can keep. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. So, <laughs> so I say all that to say I probably wouldn't like living in Detroit right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten used to living in D.C., but not because of the city itself. It's because of its proximity to other places I want to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the beach mm, <laughs> or the mountains yeah. or New York City. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So it's good for that. Well, a setting is definitely like super important. But then I don't think you necessarily need to like a setting. You just need to have strong feelings about it one way yeah, or the other. Right. That, that's right. Yeah. And DC, yeah. you know, DC. I think people have a love-hate relationship with DC anyway, and it's a it's a place. I don't know how well you know it, but it's a place with so many transients because people move in to work here and then mm-hmm. they go home. Uh, you know, if they especially if they're working for the government, and so you mm-hmm. meet the people who are native, and they're totally different than most of the people you meet walking around. And then the and then yeah. there's the tourist element, which is I think adds vibrancy to the city, and then the international community, which also adds a different kind of vibrancy. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am so glad that you were able to join me today for this chat. We covered a lot of fun and interesting ground, I think. Yep. And super excited for uh, your new book, which is called Find Me When I'm Lost. And that um, comes out on June 23rd. And what's the name of your new book? My new book is called Once You Go This Far. Uh Love it. (laughs) <laughs> and so, yeah, that'll be two weeks on, on the heels of, of your new one. So there's going to be a lot of good books for people to stay inside and read this summer. Absolutely. Uh, and hopefully they will they will do that. Um, but good luck with your writing thank and you much, staying indoors and all yours. that. Uh, thank you so much for joining me today. It was great to be with you guys. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>